This is District Sentinel Radio. It's that newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of Pistown, a rainy, cold Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash districtsentinel. We're going to read some haiku later in the show for our new subscribers. Election nerds out there, it's a big day. The Electoral College is meeting to count the votes. President Trump still has not conceded this election. Uh, Quite the opposite, in fact. Stephen Miller was on Fox this morning talking about how they've organized a separate slate of electors to cast votes in a competing Electoral College that they plan to send to Congress. And that the important day is not where the safe harbor deadline from last week. It's not today, the Electoral College meeting. The deadline is January 20th, and they plan to push this all the way to the deadline to overturn this quote-unquote fraudulent election. It's going to get more and more interesting as we get closer to inauguration, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're seeing the Trump administration do basically everything that we thought that they were going to do. Uh, A lot of people, this was a pretty big debate online for a lot of people and everybody being like, oh, no, they're just going to they're not going to push this. They're just going to step away quietly. No, obviously not. I guess the only surprising thing is how many of the institutions and I'm doing quote marks with my hands just don't give a shit about what the Trump White House is trying to do right now. Just we've all sort of moved on, completely ignoring it. And I guess I might have uh, overestimated the influence that the the White House would have on these institutions in their attempt to keep power. Um, but still got a few, a month to go, month and a week to go. And uh, a lot of these MAGA heads still have not internalized what a loss looks like. They still think that there's a shot at winning this thing. And once that's been completely foreclosed on, who knows what we might see. But uh, for now, just really pathetic on the part of the White House. All right. They they made the mistake of uh of losing by too much. That's true. Because That's Bush true. Bush didn't lose by too much and he was able to uh to rig it. Yeah, I think I think that's one of the main takeaways here is that if this election was a lot closer, if this was just down to Pennsylvania and twenty thousand votes, you can bet that the issue of mail in balloting would be heard in the Supreme Court and we might have seen this election flipped but he just lost in too many states yes very slim margins in all these states but he just lost in too many of them al gore came out and uh told trump to concede because he said he doesn't regret conceding not the great case not the best case for conceding uh al gore go go back to uh fixing global warming (laughs) And the internet. Oh, yeah. Go back to inventing the internet, Al. <laughs> All right. It's Monday, December 14th, 2020. Here's the news. The first Americans are receiving the coronavirus vaccine following the FDA's authorization of the medicine produced by Pfizer. 
2.9 million doses were sent to more than 600 sites across the country. Healthcare workers and nursing home staff are among the first recipients of the vaccine. It comes at a desperate time for the country, with viral infections reaching levels not seen before during the pandemic. Over the past week, there have been on average more than 200,000 new COVID cases a day and more than 2,400 deaths a day. The death toll has now surpassed 300,000. The vaccinations require two doses of the medicine three weeks apart. And during trials, it was proven to be 95% effective. The U.S., though, could face vaccine shortages early next year. As it was reported last week, the U.S. declined to purchase up to 500 million doses from Pfizer, instead purchasing only 100 million. And due to obligations the company has made to other nations, the U.S. could be forced to wait until next summer for more. The government did purchase an additional 700 million doses from other firms developing a vaccine, but those are still pending medical trials and FDA approval. Pharmaceutical firms that have developed a vaccine are set to make billions in revenue thanks to massive government purchase orders. But for now, the cost for an individual to receive the vaccine is nothing. Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services and the CDC have deemed it free for both the insured and uninsured, although vaccine providers may add charges associated with administering the shot. Sam, we're probably still a few months out from this, but what's the first thing you're going to do when the pandemic is over? Uh, well, one thing I'm going to do is renew my driver's license because it just expired. That, Shit, that's a... you just reminded me. <laughs> Fuck, I have to do that. And mine expires in like five days. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing that I'm going to do is go to dim sum. I want to go to dim sum mm. so fucking bad, dude. Mm. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I'm going to... Uh, you yeah, can't my... do dim sum for carry out, so... <laughs> yeah, same thing with like... Uh... Ethiopian food. I I never get that really for carry out. You gotta you gotta eat in for that sort of stuff, and I've missed it. Mm. I'm going to uh, Atlantic City. That's the first thing I'm gonna do. Oh hell yeah! You should come. I think we've got uh, I think we've got a, a a bachelor party in store for you that never uh, materialized <laughs> because of the pandemic. That's right. Maybe I we think, should uh, go to AC. I think we might have to do that. Could probably correspond it with a with a week in which there's some uh, international soccer going on that we could play some bets on or something. Oh man! Oh my god, dude! We've got it. Uh, it's in the works. I'm, al- I'm already thinking about losing hundreds of dollars. Hell yeah! We'll bring intern Nate along too. <laughs> All right, what's next? More grim news about conservatives' love of the death penalty. Today, the Supreme Court overturned an appellate court's decision to vacate the death sentence of a convicted murderer. George Kyer killed Delbert Haas in 1994 after borrowing money from Haas and then losing it while gambling in Laughlin, Nevada. <laughs> kind Yikes. of ominous considering <laughs> considering what we had just talked about. Yikes. After being sentenced after being sentenced to death, Kyer claimed that his counsel was ineffective because it didn't investigate mitigating circumstances, such as his numerous physical and mental health problems. The Ninth Circuit agreed, striking down Kyer's death sentence. The Supreme Court today voted to restore the sentence in an unsigned opinion, with the three liberal justices dissenting. 
No love for Kyer from Brett Kavanaugh, despite gambling debt being at the heart of this case. As legal analyst Chris Geidner noted on Twitter, quote, the ruling in Kyer's case effectively means he once again faces execution, and he does so because of an unsigned ruling by a Supreme Court that did not even hear the merits of his claim. In related news, another death row prisoner was murdered by the state over the weekend. Ricky Bourgeois was killed Friday evening, the day after the execution of Brandon Bernard, which itself was the first lame duck federal execution in over 100 years. Lawyers for Bernard had argued that he was not directly involved in the murder at the heart of his case and so should be spared. Lawyers for Bourgeois had argued that he was intellectually disabled and so should be spared. The Supreme Court rejected appeals for both men late last week, with Sonia Sotomayor writing dissenting opinions in response to each decision. The Department of Justice and eight other agencies, including labor, education, and housing, finalized a new rule that will give religious organizations more freedom to discriminate against others. The rule is a culmination of work started more than two years ago when President Trump signed an executive order removing religious freedom for individuals receiving government assistance and instead granting it to organizations contracting with the government. Under the new guidelines, religious groups that do social work on behalf of the government no longer have to inform beneficiaries under their care of their religious freedoms. For example, if someone is receiving help through a church, they no longer have to be informed that they don't actually have to attend services to receive care. Religious groups are also no longer required to refer people who object to their practices to other outfits that offer the same services. Civil rights groups have long warned that the rule would open the door to even more discrimination of LGBTQ folks under the banner of, quote, religious freedom. The Department of Health and Human Services has also implemented the new rule. Here's another alarm bell if you're concerned about Trump escalating conflict with Iran or otherwise killing more people before leaving office. Today, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo spoke to his counterpart from Saudi Arabia, Foreign Minister Faisal bin Farhan al-Saud. The State Department said that the two men discussed, quote, efforts to overcome divisions between Gulf countries needed to deter Iran's aggressive acts in the region and the mutual determination to achieve an inclusive political solution to the conflict in Yemen, end of quote. Since 2015, Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates have led a brutal war in Yemen that has killed thousands of civilians in airstrikes alone, while putting millions of others at the risk of famine through blockades. The Gulf countries invaded Yemen with the U.S. government's blessing after accusing Iran of meddling in Yemeni politics through the Houthi uprising. If the Trump amendment if the Trump administration's past approach to foreign affairs is any indication, that could, that could mean we might see even more unspeakable violence against Yemenis in the near future in an attempt to get things done. As to what the divisions between Gulf countries might be, Turkish state media noted that the UAE backs a secessionist movement in Yemen called the Southern Transitional Council. The Saudis have no interest in breaking up the country. Also, the UAE is much closer to Iran than the Saudi government. The Emiratis and Iranians are among each other's top trading partners. An autopsy report on the disastrous Iowa Democratic Caucus earlier this year assigns much of the blame for the debacle on the National Democratic Party. In case you forgot what happened that night, despite a clear victory for Bernie Sanders in terms of raw caucus vote totals, 
The app, contracted by the Democratic National Committee to tabulate the results, failed. Also, the phone lines for precinct committee chairs got jammed, preventing the vote total from being transmitted. Pete Buttigieg declared victory, and we never really got an answer to who actually won the contest. According to the autopsy, the DNC required the tech and consulting firm Shadow to custom make its app for counting caucus results so that the DNC could have real-time access to the votes as they were being counted. This was done over the head of the Iowa Democratic Party, which had its own app to count the results, which didn't fail that night. After the Shadow app went bust and started reporting wrong numbers, the DNC blocked the state party from releasing its results, further delaying the reporting of Iowa numbers. Interesting thing about this audit, which was conducted by the former Attorney General of Iowa, Bonnie Campbell, the DNC just refused to participate in it. Not a single representative from the organization sat down to be interviewed by the lawyers conducting the inquiry. Thanks to shadow producer Matt for flagging this one. The Department of Homeland Security proposed a rule today that would enable the agency to be even more secretive while spying on people. DHS said they want to exempt counterintelligence records from the Privacy Act. Counterintelligence is often associated with espionage conducted on behalf of foreign governments, but DHS made clear that its operations are much broader than that. In filings published in today's Federal Register, the agency noted that its definition of foreign intelligence entities includes, quote, non-state organizations or persons that conduct intelligence activities to acquire information about the United States. That's an incredibly amorphous definition that could include sensitive information about private citizens, activists, and organizers, both in the U.S. and abroad. Recall that the Trump administration has considered immigration activists and anti-fascists to be criminal threats and threats to national security. The Privacy Act puts several checks on the use of personal information collected by federal agencies, It also entitles an individual to information that government agencies have collected about said individual. DHS said this shouldn't apply to its counterintelligence records to, quote, preclude preclude subjects of these activities from frustrating these processes, referring to law enforcement, counterintelligence, and intelligence gathering. And finally, today, a win for the post-left dipshits and their reactionary friends. U.S. State Department is in full compliance with an executive order banning racial sensitivity training. You might remember that back in September, President Trump issued a directive at the behest of conservative op-ed writers and weirdos on Twitter like Glenn Greenwald that prohibits the federal government and any contracting firms from engaging in workplace training that focuses on racial sensitivity or otherwise cast the U.S. in a negative light, like discussions on structural racism. State Department IG released a report on Wednesday finding that the State Department had conducted audits on all its workforce training procedures and those of its contractors and is in full compliance with the executive order. At last, finally, something has been done to squash what is truly haunting this nation, the specter of the 1619 Project. That music means the newscast is over and time to move on to the poetry portion of the show where we read haiku for all our new subscribers over at patreon.com slash district sentinel. Five bucks a month you get access to all our bonus content and you get a free month subscription to Means TV. 
where you can catch Sam and I every Thursday morning on Means Morning News. Plus, you get a haiku written for you and read on the air. This first one goes out to Jake. New style men's dress shirt. Replace the collar on it with tassels instead. Thank you, Jake. This is for Anthony. This year, give yourself the gift of the sunflower. Some tasty ass seeds. Thank you, Anthony. Finally, this is for Brendan. Drinking the required amount of water each day is impossible. Thank you, Brendan. That's right. You think you've ever done it, Sam? Have you ever drinking, drunk, drinking, drink the allotted, the prescribed amount of water each day? You think you've ever accomplished it? Uh, maybe, maybe when I was in tip-top shape when I was on the varsity soccer team, but... How much uh, water is in coffee? There's a good amount there. I mean, if you're drinking eight cups of coffee a day... That's true. That's true. That, that does count, doesn't it? Although caffeine dehydrates you, I think. Hmm. Although I feel like uh, every year a new study comes out saying that it does or doesn't dehydrate you. So I've lost track of whether or not it dehydrates you. Well, maybe the uh, listeners can let us know. Call the rant line 202-684-6108. Leave a message. We'll play it on air. The show is over. Thanks for listening. Back tomorrow with a brand new newscast. We're in D.C. so you don't have to be.